Hey y'all, welcome to this first real episode of Coffee and the Word. My name is Scott, and if you find this podcast helpful, please help get the word out. Uh, please share this podcast on your social media pages, or uh, just let your friends and family know about it if you believe that they would uh, find this helpful. Uh, today I want to talk about the holiness of God's church. Uh, and I want to start by looking at First Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to look at a couple verses here, starting in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. You know, one of the things that has always characterized the Church of Jesus Christ is its peculiarity, its difference. The, the Church is supposed to be different from the world, and throughout history, the Church pretty much has always been different from the world. There have been some exceptions, of course, but overall, the Church has always been characterized by being unlike the world. And as a matter of fact, it's even been said, and I agree with this, that the church's power comes from its unlikeness to the world. Um, you know, there's, uh, there, there are so many things about the world that are incompatible with a life of holiness and that are incompatible with following Jesus. And that's the way it's always been. The world has never been friendly to the church. The world has never been friendly to the gospel. Um, now, there was a, a certain lack of, uh, I would say, um, a, a certain lack of animosity towards the church for much of the modern age in the United States uh, Canada and Europe, that's definitely beginning to change now. Um, but the thing that's even more alarming is not the fact that the the world is becoming more hostile towards the church. What is really alarming is that the church is warming up so much to the world. And it, the prevailing trend is that churches are becoming very, very worldly. This has been going on for, I guess we could say that it really started in the late 1800s with the modernist movement. Um, when the modernist movement caught on, uh, we started seeing trends within the church towards worldliness, uh, but most churches were not affected at that point. And then we started to see some again in the mid-20th century when, uh, you know, some evangelical churches started to uh, try and make the church a little more exciting for the youth. And I definitely understand why they wanted to do that. Um, but it really took off uh, during the, the late 1960s, early 1970s, um, in what would be called the Jesus Movement. And, you know, the Jesus movement brought a lot of changes into the church. Um, and 
I don't want to debate whether the Jesus movement was a real revival or not. I know we could say, some people could make the case, well, the Jesus movement was a great revival, and other people can say, well, the Jesus movement was a fake revival. It wasn't a real revival because it brought so many bad influences into the church. And, you know, I, I truly believe that the Jesus movement was a little bit of both. I think there was, there was real revival going on, and there was also fake revival going on. Um, to be sure, a lot of the apostasy of the early 21st century does trace directly back to the Jesus movement. And it was during that time that the church, or I should say some people within the church, started to become more worldly. You know, a lot of, a lot of people who had, you know, been, you know, basically hippies, you know, had, you know, came to faith, but a lot of them wanted to bring that hippie culture and that, that worldliness into the church. And so that's when we saw the birth of Christian rock and roll. And, uh, you know, really the person that started Christian rock and roll was Larry Norman. The, the first uh, Christian rock and roll album uh, was, was uh, made by him. It was in 1969. It was the year I was born. Um, so I was born the same year that Christian rock and roll was born. And I remember in the 1980s, as a teenager in the church, I had begun to warm up to, not just to the music of Christian rock, but also to the culture that came along with it. You know, there was a culture that was developing around that that was a little bit church and a little bit world. And as time went by, it became more and more world. But at the time, there was a lot of debate going on because most evangelicals at that time were not accepting of either the Christian rock music or of the culture that came along with it. Um, but things were changing, and as time went by, the church began to embrace that. Um, and then eventually, that led to the creation of what is known today as contemporary worship music. Um, and contemporary worship music has become the norm for the vast majority of evangelical churches. Uh, and uh, so we can, we can say that this culture that surrounds it, um, and truly contemporary worship music is just a form of Christian rock. It, it may sound a little bit different, but it's the same basic beat. You know, it's a rock beat. It's the distorted guitars and a lot of other... Uh, characteristics. It really is a form of, of rock. Um, but that is what characterizes evangelicalism today. Not just the music, but the culture that comes along with it. And it's a culture that really embraces the world. And in fact, a, a lot of people in these churches and a lot of uh, pastors and Bible teachers actually will come straight out and say that, and they actually believe that's a good thing. Um, you know, as I was saying, when I was a teenager, there was a big debate going, is Christian rock okay? And a lot back then, the majority said no. Today, the, the debate has flipped. Today, Christian rock is the norm in church, or they would call it contemporary worship music, now they actually think that the old hymns are bad, um, even though they were very theologically rich. Um, and um, 
you know, and, and that's an important thing because the, the Bible tells us um, a couple of times that the purpose of church music is to teach. And when we look at contemporary worship music, there's really not much teaching going on. They tend to be very theologically shallow. There, there tends to be pretty much no depth to them. Um, you know, a lot of it is just vain repetition, and it's, it's a lot of emotional fluff. And when they do get into theology, a lot of times the theology ends up being very inaccurate, not very biblical. Uh, and so, um, so we have this music that not only does it sound worldly, and it's carnal. You know, it appeals to the flesh. Um, you know, I've, I've been in evangelical churches where they're playing contemporary worship music and the, the band's up there going and, and you see people in the pews or in the seats. They don't usually have pews, but uh, they're, they're standing there and they're doing a dance that looks like it belongs in a nightclub. And sometimes they even dress like they're going to a nightclub. Not always, but, but that's actually fairly common. And so if you didn't know any better, you could walk into a lot of these churches and you could think that you're just, you know, Sunday morning nightclub. Um, and, uh, you know, it's sad but true. This is what evangelicalism has become. Um, and so one of the, the, and now this is very troubling to me, um, you know, and, and like I say, when I was a teenager, I was very much into Christian rock and roll um, me and my friends had a band, you know, we played Christian rock and roll music, and, um, and I said, oh, well, it's a ministry. Well, in reality, I don't think it was ever a ministry, but I think that's what we told ourselves. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, what I want to talk about today is just the fact that this exists, and there is a culture that accompanies it you know every style of music it seems like has a culture attached to it you know if if you think of a style of music like think for instance of classical music what do you think of when you think of classical music you know you you might think of people who maybe are upper class and you know refined and well-mannered um you know you think of uh bluegrass you're probably going to think of hillbillies in uh, in overalls, and, and I don't say that as a negative stereotype, um, you know, because I'm actually, uh, you know, my family actually are hillbillies, that's what we grew up calling ourselves, you know, when I was growing up, and I was always told, yeah, we're hillbillies, you know, or our family is hillbillies, and, and my dad was definitely a hillbilly, and so I don't say the word hillbilly negatively, but I'm making the point that there is a culture attached to bluegrass music and then country music which is similar to bluegrass but not the same thing has another culture attached to it that's not quite the same culture maybe you think of rednecks and drinking and and nowadays they have bro country they call it or or i don't know what they call it anymore that's what they were calling it a few years ago where it's it's all about pickups and beer and girls in bikinis and you know and so people think of that because that's the culture that's attached to it. Well, rock and roll has a culture attached to it too. It's sort of a, you know, a stoner culture, I guess you could say. And, you know, rock and roll brought in, you know, long hair for men and, 
and uh, you know marijuana smoking and you know a lot of other things became you know popular in America as a result of rock and roll after the the Beatles basically a little bit of it had started before that but uh, it really got going with the Beatles um, well contemporary worship music has a culture attached to it also and uh, you know the stereotype which is at least partially accurate is of a uh, a young or middle-aged pastor wearing skinny jeans and uh, you know maybe a maybe a jacket without a without a tie and, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and uh, he he's probably holding a Starbucks cup in one hand and uh, you know maybe he's got gel in his hair trying to look cool um, and uh, and then you know you've got the band up there and and uh, that kind of sets the the cultural tone for the entire church and uh, so a lot of people think of this when they think of the contemporary worship music um, but where do we find this in the Bible where do we where do we find this this sort of evangelical uh, contemporary culture in the Bible well we really don't see that and I know a lot of people have trouble even thinking of church without thinking of these things you know the contemporary worship band and and uh, you know the 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 Starbucks or, or some other kind of you know flavored coffee and and uh, you know the 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 cool look you know the middle-aged or young pastor trying to trying to act cool and you know and and uh, you know it's it's a it's a culture and uh, you know obviously there's nothing wrong with you know drinking coffee or anything like that I'm not saying that necessarily but I'm saying that the the culture that attaches to this music overall tends to be a culture that is worldly and carnal and uh, you know it embraces the world and the world embraces it um, and so what I want to leave you with today is you know the fact that according to the scripture that I just read uh, the church is to be different you know and and I'm reading the King James Bible and it says here you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people think about that if if you are following Jesus you're not going to be like the world you're going to be peculiar. What do you think of when you hear the word peculiar? Very different. You know, if you're peculiar, you're very different to the point people of the world are going to think that you are weird, and they ought to. If you are a true follower of Jesus, you're not going to be carnal. You're not going to be worldly. You're not going to be intentionally trying to imitate the world. You will never win the world by being like the world. You might win people from the world to come to your church and you might even get them to go to the altar and say a little prayer you know oh but this is not what the bible tells us to do okay this is this is not what christianity is this is not what following jesus is all about you know i mean Again, I have nothing against coffee. Believe me, I start every morning with two cups of coffee. So I am not uh, speaking negatively about coffee or about jeans or anything like that. 
it's kind of the overall culture, what some people might call churchianity. This is not what we're supposed to be about. We should be peculiar. The people of the world shouldn't look at us and say, wow, these Christians are just like us. Look at that. They, their music sounds like us. They dress like us. They talk like us. They act like us. We should be peculiar. The people of God are to be in the world, but not of the world. And when we decide that we're going to be of the world, or we're going to be like the world, we are going completely against what Jesus has planned for his church. And so that's what I want to leave you with today is remember that you are not to be of the world. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be different. You should be peculiar. You should be weird. At least you should seem weird to the people of the world. You know, I saw, I saw somebody recently or heard somebody recently say, you know, people like me are weird because we're normal. And think about that. What he's saying is, he's, saying, he's not actually saying I'm weird, but he's saying I seem weird to everybody else because I'm normal and very few people are. And so if you are following Jesus, you're not going to be weird to God. You're not going to be weird to Jesus' true followers. You'll seem weird to churchianity people, and you'll seem weird to the people that are just blatantly out in the world. But you'll be normal to God. That's what God wants. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be different. God wants you to be unique. And that's what peculiar means. So I, I hope that uh, this episode was helpful for you. And again, if it was, please share this on your social media pages or just let your friends or family know about this podcast. So thanks for listening and hope to see you next episode. Bye.